Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from MDR-approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. We are here in a makeshift studio today. Makeshift because studio. Because Jen is home and uh, on Zoom with us today. So if you're watching- the Hi, video, everybody. <laughs> you'll notice <laughs> that we're in one place and she's in another, um, but we're all used to this in the world of COVID, so it's okay. Yes. Um, so we are introducing our next season today. Season we, three? I know, which feels a little unreal. Yeah. And like, it was just the beginning of season one. So that's strange. <laughs> it feels funny that we're, there's this weird like numbering of it. Like season one was like three years long. And then season <laughs> Episodes season one through like, like 40. Yeah. Yeah. 50. Yeah. Season two was 11 episodes. Well, we so. didn't know we were going to keep going. So we didn't know that seasons yeah. were important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But- it's yeah, kind of Bridger introduced that to us. It's like you guys need seasons. <laughs> There's no organization to this like massive <laughs> oh, <laughs> dump of files. Whatever. We're having a good time. Uh, so the point is we're now much more organized, and that has resulted in seasons. And so we're gonna reflect together on where we've been and then kind of look ahead together on where we're going with the season and some things that we're excited about in our own EMDR practices and the world of EMDR in general, and then just kind of as a company. Um, where we're headed in the next several months. Yeah, this is very, this always happens. I feel like with podcasts where we get into the space and then my right brain comes out when we start actually And you start talking things. about things that we didn't talk about. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's gonna okay. happen. Here we go. <laughs> Those are the best topics. Curious, what is interesting to you both about EMDR right now? Ooh. Take that in, in whichever direction, like, per, like with the field of EMDR, your own practice. Yeah, so... I feel like I am kind of deep in the weeds in the spot of wanting to work very granularly in all things. Um, And so what that means to me with EMDR is um, really looking at the difference between EMDR that I'm engaged with as the therapist from kind of a, um, an aloof perspective Mm -hmm. Um, like versus, behind the buzzers mm-hmm, or behind, yeah, the, yeah, behind, behind the scenes, behind the buzzers, yeah. right? you know, I'm the switch pusher, um, which is, you know, beautifully effective sometimes, which is interesting. Evidence-based. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then how things shift when I am able to, and invited in by the client to really track with them very granularly, what is unfolding for them in that experience. And, uh, discovering together what is actually happening in the human nervous system when we're doing EMDR. Like why, why does this do what it does? Um, And besides just my own curiosity, which I think is a valid reason to do anything. um, What I'm, what I'm searching for in that is for it to teach us 
about ways that we can show up as a therapist and create spaces with clients that produce this kind of um, awareness and integration and release that we see happen in an EMDR session. Um, So it's sort of like, you know, when you see something that's working, if you take it all apart and understand like what is actually happening here, um, then we can take that information and apply it in all kinds of different contexts. Um, and so I'm I'm finding myself drawn to using EMDR as a, a template, as an example of what are the essential ingredients of effective therapy in all kinds of contexts. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing that experientially. Um, I'm doing that with clients. I'm doing that in research. Um, you know, we're working with some of those same ideas in SIP and our case conceptualization model right now. And so I'm just feeling super drawn into the granular cellular experience of things, um, which is interesting for me because normally my system is like a high level visionary. Let's float amongst the clouds and occasionally touch back down when I feel like it. Um, so this feels like a, a settling and a, a reorientation for me that feels like a, a experience of balance. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's where I am. How about yeah. you guys? Yeah. I think for me, I'm, I'm interested in, like professionally and like on, on the larger scale of like EMDR culture, really interested in community development and as well kind of the future of EMDR, like what what is going to happen with this new technique. It's not that new, you know, 30-ish years, but um, outside of that, what what is the larger field of psychotherapy going to do with EMDR as, you know, research continues and uh, people continue to be trained because now there's so many people um, over the, across the world that are at least aware of EMDR. So where will it go next? Um, that's really interesting to me. And so we've been in collaboration with some other uh, community developers in uh, the field of EMDR. And that's been really exciting personally as an EMDR a clinician, uh, I'm really, really interested in the unconscious um, with EMDR. So um, there's been some kind of ways of working within session that I've been playing around with where, uh, you know, the buzzer pusher kind of thing is like, you know, you're just letting the client unfold in their natural process. And mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful and lovely, but why doesn't it work for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that I've been kind of trying to make sense of that is through, getting the thinking brain out of the way, um, even in basic reprocessing of how to address or, or note when the thinking part of ourselves kind of takes back over and says like, you know, wants to go with story, 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 or get stuck in a loop and, um, can't find a resource that makes any more sense of the situation to help it release. Um, can we note that the thinking brain may have taken back over Mm. and say, let's just go with our experiencing and sensing selves and, and let the unconscious show us what we're, what we're really wanting mm-hmm. to see here. And that being a resource, like mm-hmm. they're unconscious as their own resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've really loved that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Jen, what about you? Oh, all of this is just fun. It's not very often we get to talk about and reflect on together like what are we feeling excited about or what are we doing in our own like silo of work I guess Mm -hmm. with this so it's really cool to hear that from you guys I think when you first asked the question Bridger it like in my mind I was like well easy that's easy so easy 
And it's what it's always been. My brain's kind of always been fixated on even before knowing why I was fixated on it, but case conceptualization. And I remember like clear back when Bridger, we were first meeting you and being like, I, I want to talk more about EMDR and treatment planning case conceptualization. I thought of it very differently then than I do now for sure. But just knowing that to me, that was like the key and the answer to being able to do EMDR Um, without that. It it is just what you're talking about of like, why doesn't it work for everybody? Yes. Why is it that we get in and really the eight phase protocol is pretty simple. Like it's very direct. It doesn't involve much. There's some simple steps and a few phrases that you say. So like if we follow that exactly, what's missing with certain clients And so my interest, as does all of ours with uh, SIP, comes back to that. And I find myself in session with clients while doing EMDR, just really looking at like, what are the themes and patterns that I'm seeing and how can we start to put those together and making sense of like how to choose the right target, how to know what resources are actually going to be beneficial and not just a random, you know, exercise that we do together. And then the other thing is memory reconsolidation Nice. and looking more and more as I'm learning, you know, from the EBT podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> the deep dive into memory reconsolidation and the, was it like four or five episodes yeah. that you guys did on that was just, you know, learning more and more about that and then seeing how that plays out with the protocol and how we can do the standard protocol with more intention Mm -hmm. and add so much to it with that knowledge rather than just following these steps kind of blindly and saying, I don't know, someone told me it would work and showed me some videos that would work. So let's see it happen. Like really understanding the science behind it and going in and, and replicating that makes a tremendous difference on the change that we see. I'm so glad that you, you brought that up to me, the, I, th- I guess maybe that's where some of my rediscovering my interest in the unconscious came from because memory reconsolidation, you know, it works with cognitions, but it's, it's only the cog like the cognition is seen as the, the very last kind of like, you know, uh, last piece of the chain mm-hmm. coming before it is so much unconscious and subconscious uh, scaffolding of internal working models and how you've made sense of your lived experience. Yeah. And I just find that when we look at, <laughs> when we look at the like negative cognition list, um, it's filled not with these just simple, like, uh, you know, illogical thinking or maladaptive yeah, thoughts. Right. These are very important and deeply held uh, I call them sometimes like sense making systems. Mm-hmm. Like the way I've made sense of my lived experience is that I'm bad. Yeah. It's not just a maladaptive thought that I have. It's yeah. what I've used to hold myself together yes. uh, in the absence of a better narrative, better being like one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So connected to that, another kind of piece that I've been feeling very curious about you know, as I'm kind of moving deeper, deeper into understanding transpersonal psych and having all of these really rich and amazing 
conversations with our um, Beyond Healing community, which we should tell you guys about that. We'll do that. Um, so, so our online, you know, family space, basically like the living room of the Beyond Healing community, uh, we sit around and have conversations. And one of the conversations that is just really powerful and interesting to me um, is around spirituality and therapy, because these themes just seem to um, emerge over and over, especially as we move deeper into work with our clients. And um, there, there's this question that kind of keeps coming up of how do we help people find something that is spiritual, not necessarily religious, that begins to move them beyond their, their stuck places. Um, and the way that I've been making sense of that is around that question of okay, all of us, and this kind of goes back to basic EMDR training, fundamentally at the very bottom of most of the targets we get to, I'm bad or I'm not good enough, Mm -hmm. right? That's like bog standard. It's in everybody's nervous system for a myriad of reasons. Um, And when we look at that reality through a transpersonal perspective, what kind of pops off the page is this question of, oh, that's the ego being, you know, so present and so concerned with maintaining itself Mm -hmm. that, its constant question is, am I good enough? And we can find strategies of narcissism or self-deprecation and shame in order to try to manage the ego's needs. And as the ego heals and releases its grip by processing our trauma and uh, being more researched and having really deep connection with people, we kind of realize that we don't have another place to go after the ego (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like we don't know how to make that leap and it's in that little gap where everybody starts looking around for a more spiritual answer Mm. like wait a second i know that there's something else but what comes after the ego and there's this desire for a spiritual answer because i think we're wired that way Mm. um and so i've been really curious and i'm super curious about your guys' thoughts about this because i've been playing around with it of if the ego is always asking am i good enough What's the next question that feels like a more um, adaptive and grounded question for us to maintain a selfhood? Because we're not going to get rid of that need, right? Mm -hmm. Our self is always in need of maintenance and homeostasis. Um, And it's like we need another question to be asking, to, to be monitoring and checking in with ourselves that isn't going to keep putting the ego in charge. Mm -hmm. And I think every time we're asking, am I good enough? Am I doing this right? Am I okay? Is my life going okay? It puts the ego back in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I've talked about that for a while. So I'm curious about that to me is like the thinking self kind of taking back over and saying like, well, the way I make sense of, am I okay? Is by a logical quote unquote formula of, well, if enough people tell me that I'm good or if I get enough, like, you know, security or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. to me underneath all of that is, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And how do I actually know that I'm safe? Um, I think the ego, and I I don't mean to take over your language, but like, I think the ego wants to say, I'll sell you. You're okay. Like you're safe by all these people giving you affirmation or, you know, pleasing this other person or getting this person to commit to you or to at least keep you around. Um, but I think there's a part of us that knows that that's fleeting. Right. But then what's the question that happens right after, am I safe? Like once that gets answered, yes, I am safe. So I, as you're, as you're saying all of this, I see it as like the, am I safe then moves into once that's established, then it's, am I good enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once 
once we can work through that piece and personally where, where mine comes into is like, what are my own desires? Mm-hmm. Cause that, that I can't answer that question when I'm still stuck in, am I good enough? I, yeah. There's a foregoing of my own personal desires to be what I need, whatever I need in that moment to ensure that I'm good enough. Yeah. That's right. Up but, hierarchy. Yes. Am I safe? Mm-hmm. You know, am, am I good enough? enough? Yeah. And can I become what I want to become or, yeah. or the desires? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it, there's almost this like question along the lines of, am I really being me, mm-hmm. right? Am mm-hmm. I yeah. fully expressing myself into the world? And so I'm super interested in using EMDR and letting that um, that transition happen naturally in therapy because I see a lot of clients stop after that question, uh, those questions of, am I safe and am I good enough? I mean, that's kick-ass therapy, right? Like if we, can we, get, <laughs> we can get some reprocessing. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. But, but there's also just a cultural hunger for that next piece of yeah. like, we want to uh, go yeah. beyond that. This is such a, I love this conversation because that's where a few of my clients like at the, you know, we're at some, sometimes like the year and a half to two mm-hmm. year standpoint where like I am safe and I am good enough. That's recognized. But the last piece that it feels like is being held on to is, am I going to do anything meaningful? Yeah. yeah. Am I going to be me in the world? And what is the me that wants to come into the world and make a difference? Yeah. yeah. That and I feel like so many people don't even know that like their body doesn't even know that next layer exists. So we're so stuck in that trap of trying to establish safety and acceptance in the world that there's, that's a brand new construct to internalize that says, oh, there's a, a, an existence where I explore my own desires or my own like purpose and meaning in the world. Like honor myself in what I'm doing and what I'm becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we answer those questions like, what's my purpose and meaning from a place of am I good enough or from a place of seeking safety? But to truly be able to answer that from a place of like, what do I desire to experience in this life? Yeah. 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 And I end up, you know, talking well to everybody a lot about pleasure because I think that connecting to our own pleasure helps us learn how to connect to our own intuitive desire. Because that's not an easy or innate thing for most of us as adults in our our culture to be connected with, to to really feel our own desire and essence of self separate from safety and separate from good enough and social connectedness. Like that's not something that we've had any practice or or at least very little practice and really doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that goes all the way back to, you know, we don't walk around asking three-year-olds what they desire for dinner. You know, we we just feed them. And say, I love you. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, eat what I make you. Um, and, and so that's kind of a trained out of us. And so like, as clients are moving into that next level of work, um, I feel really curious about, do we as healers and helpers know how to guide them in that? Because a lot of us are pretty disconnected from our own desires. Yeah. And are still working on the questions of safety and am I good enough? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have an answer to that other than just that's keep I, exploring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, you know, having conversations with each other around that and community uh, is helpful because when you hear someone speaking from their own desire, it's like 
it it uh, is a bit contagious. Oh my gosh! Right, like when mm-hmm. you get around somebody that's moving from that place, it's like whoa. Yeah, <laughs> one of the clients I was yeah. sitting with the other day said, "I just don't understand how some people just seem to get it. They just mm-hmm. seem to." have a voice and use it and go out into the world and do what they want to do. And I don't know what, I don't know what I don't have that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's exactly to me. Like what you're saying is like, there's this zest. It's the second time this week you've used the word zest. I I use it a lot in therapy. (laughs) Where's your zestiness? Vitality. Uh Yeah. You know, I've had, seen a lot of people respond almost in the opposite of like they're put off by people who seek pleasure or who are comfortable in experiencing pleasure or speaking to their own desires there's almost an intimidation around it or a a fear of like if I watch you do that like there's a shame response because I have my own internalized shame narrative that says if I seek out my own pleasure or speak to my own desires that's wrong and bad So that's, yeah, yeah, that's so fascinating to see how differently it can trigger and activate people and watching someone in that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really true. And I think that's actually one of the challenges that comes up a lot um, as clients are moving into this space. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a, a client right now and her, her story is so powerful and beautiful to me. And I'm going to be protective of it, even though everything in me wants to just <laughs> shout from the rooftops what she's been able to do. Um, but we, we've been working with this language around permission to get big and um, coming out of the cage and sort of recognizing that the cage door has been open for a long time, but she hasn't felt ready to emerge. And what would that look like? Um, and so she, this last week after that session where we talked about what getting big would actually look like, she texted me and showed me a post that she had made on her social media that was very much her getting big, <laughs> her, you know, taking a stand on something and expressing herself um, beautifully and boldly, but also very humbly, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, within you know, just a couple of hours of making that post, she received a phone call from somebody that wanted to have a conversation with her about this particular thing. About the bigness. <laughs> about the bigness with some concern. And, uh, you know, she felt nervous about that conversation, but also had this sensation of hopefulness um, because there was the potential by by meeting that request for a conversation around this topic that maybe she could change someone's mind about a topic that was really important to her. And so we kind of texted mm-hmm. about that a little bit and she went and had that meeting and she texted me right afterwards and it went beautifully and was such a, a pleasant surprise that when she got big, it was met with at first pushback, but when they actually met human to human and she could really share her heart the response was a beautiful, powerful connection. And wow. um, I was like, yes. Oh, like that's no, the that. <laughs> like, no, go with that, please. Yeah. Um, and she herself is an EMDR therapist. So she, <laughs> she knows how to tap it in. She knows um, what's up. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think just over and over, you know, like you're saying, Jen, there's that initial discomfort and resistance mm-hmm. and challenge. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've even experienced the, how dare you reaction. Yeah. Like, how dare you take up that much space in the world? Um, and so I think 
you know, inviting our clients into that new bigness, uh, we have to be honest and prepare them for, you know, the world is not always grateful for our bigness. Recognize (laughs) why it made sense for them to use smallness. Yes. Like to your point, Jen, about the case conceptualization, there, there's a reason why we make ourselves so small and why we believe that it's bad to ever be big or for anybody to be big. Um, that's not safe out there. Uh, it's going to get us into a lot of trouble and we're going to get too big and we'll fail and just fall apart. And it's not manageable anymore. Making those questions of, am I safe? And am I okay? Definite no's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Conscious of the time. Yeah. And I want to for a very long time. I don't know how we got there. (laughs) Little did we know that we had so much. That was your fault. (laughs) Yeah. I told you. (laughs) It was great though. It was worth it. Uh I'm, eager to spin up a little bit more on the community. Well, yeah. I know you mentioned it earlier, but just, yeah. I think it's, it's probably the thing I'm the most excited about that we're doing right now is like, I'm just so excited personally on a completely subjective level. Like I have found so much satisfaction in like reading posts and liking and commenting and so yeah. I'm excited to get to share it here and hopefully inviting more people to be a part of it. Yeah. I'm, I will warn people. It's a little addictive. It is. Like, you know, I don't, I don't it's think social media was supposed to be, but never figured out. <laughs> now it's like, Oh, but seriously, all my friends are here. Yeah. And all the conversations are I amazing. Still, <laughs> I hate social media and I still don't engage with any of it, but right. I love but this one. Yeah. This is different. I love yes. the Beyond Healing community. Yeah. Um, and I think it, I mean, Thank you, Rotem Brayer. Um, yeah, because, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And, and, Networks, yeah, and Jackie yeah. Flynn. Um, just so cool to have. Oh, man, it's like emotion. Uh, so cool to have friends in the EMDR community mm-hmm. that are, you know, all over the U.S. and yeah. all over the world. Um like but, friends, not like, not just like oh, a yeah, thing. that's a friend of mine. Like, no, like what, what feels like true, genuine friends. Like, yeah. people I'm excited to talk to you. And I feel a sense of like care for and I can feel their care in return. Yeah. Um, and, really and just generosity. What, they, what yes. they're doing and you know just to get excited with them and to be able to do collaborations. Anyway, anyway. Rotem yeah. <laughs> uh, introduced us to uh this this platform called Mighty Networks. And so I I remember I was just playing around on it one day and I kind of just like did it. Like I <laughs> just like made it and, and published it. I loved and, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to see what like everybody at Beyond thought about it, like the core leadership team, not thinking anything about how it would become like 200 followers within the next like uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> few days. But yeah. um, had a lovely little wildfire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's just continuing to because it and I think it's because it puts everybody in the same place with each other. Like yeah. there's no there's no one who owns it. There's no one who's like, mm-hmm. this is my space. It's, it's all about the, you know, everybody owns this just as much as anybody else. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, one of the brilliant pieces of social media is that um, you can encounter a lot of material, but also kind of curate your experience of it. And so the thing that I've really enjoyed about it is while we're all kind of under this general banner in that group of, you know, we're therapists, we're trauma-focused therapists, most of us are EMDR therapists, 
um, we can have these very niche conversations with people Deep dives. Yeah, yeah, that are, that are interested in the same things that we are. Um, like we have a little parenting group where we have conversations mm-hmm. about the insanity of being a parent and, yeah. uh, trying to <laughs> a nervous system informed perspective and yeah. <laughs> how wonderful and challenging that is. Yeah. Josh has yeah. a community about holistic medicine yes. and what it's like to be in a world of pharmaceuticals yes. with. Yeah. And, uh, and one of our, um, uh, consultants and, uh, directors of, uh, our office in St. Louis, she's got an intuitive eating group. And, yeah. um, it, so there's just like all these lovely, really niche conversations, um, where people are asking questions and giving their own wisdom yeah. and, yeah. and what community allows you to do in this platform is not only do those topics have like dedicated posts, but you can have like live events, um, that are scheduled for meetups and things like that. So it's just been a really fun platform, um, to connect on. And yeah. So what are you excited about it, Jen? I just, they're, they're just a brilliantly brilliant, brilliant people on there that are leading conversations and posting comments. And it feels really neat to have that experience happening outside of like a paid consultation structure. Like it's not like this platform where there's one expert on the call and everybody is asking questions. Like it is truly community coming together and people are asking hard questions and people are offering like really insightful answers and a ton of encouragement and support. Um, the the feeling of the community right now is just filled with such like love and kindness and gentleness. Like everyone's validating and affirming one another, and it's a really really cool group. So yeah, I hope that everyone will take a, a second to find it. Um, I don't even really know what the most direct route is for that. Yeah. So on our, on our website, uh, connectbeyondhealing.com is the website. And then there's a tab that says for therapists. And once you click on that in the additional resources section, you'll see a, uh, um, what is it called? Like a page or a button or something, yeah, a, a badge. Yeah. I think it's called, yeah. it's a big button. <laughs> it's a big button is, that yeah. says, uh, the beyond healing community and, and you can click on there and then you have to request to join, which is another cool piece about the community is it's a little bit of an exclusive, we're going to let you in if you request, but it, it <laughs> doesn't have, it doesn't have just random people right. that are posting, you know, just random ads or, or spam there's no or bots. Yeah, yeah. There's no robots and there's nobody that's going to use your data for bad things. So um, that's a really beautiful piece to it as well as it's a protected kind of curated space. Um, but once you click on the enroll now, it'll take you to mighty networks, which is what it's called. And then I will get your, uh, request to join and I will let you in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll meet you at the door. I'll meet you at the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So please take time to check that out and at least browse what's there. There are so many different groups, Yeah. Uh, just interest groups that you can be a part of. You could start your own group. Like you don't even have to just participate in someone else's, but if there's a special topic you want to talk about, you can actually create a group and invite people to it. And we do live events on there too. Yeah. So like if we're super excited about a particular topic, we'll get on you yeah. know, a Zoom call with a bunch of humans and have a fun conversation. Yes. That's, that's yeah. been super fun. Super, so. super fun. Um, yeah. And I think it just really, to me, brings the last piece together of our, what's what we call a community strategy, which, you know, as an organization that, you know, we do a lot of trainings and we have all of these different um, continuing education products um, that sales feels really weird 
as a mm-hmm. therapist. And so we spend a lot of time processing feelings and subject experiences around yeah, sales, around sales in, in our little community. I'm so feeling broke. targeted right now. Totally kidding. I have a lot of feelings. About <laughs> yeah. I have feelings too. They're just more positive. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the idea of sales, I think is strange in a lot of ways. Um, to me personally, but to see that, you know, we're not out here trying to make (laughs) an exorbitant amount of money off of these things. We're trying to help people find the support that they need and can afford. Um, So we're very committed to that in so many ways. And I think the community as a free resource, you know, there's a lot of time invested already in the community. Um, But, you know, we have the EMDR supplement as well now that is out to find people along the consultation and certification. Do we have time to talk about that a little bit or are we? Yeah. I mean, we can take time. (laughs) I mean, we can be brief, but that's just, that's something that I'd love to talk about it in terms of like what we're doing in EMDR right now, just in general, because there's, there's a lot there. EMDR supplement is just one very cool thing that's in there for sure. But so Yeah. yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah. Well, so starting that conversation, Jen, I think we can like zoom out big picture because Mm -hmm. people may have noticed that uh, for the last year ish, I don't know. I don't know when we did our last basic training, but it's been a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. And the the reason for that is that Jen and I have taken a hiatus from training the way that we were to write our own EMDR uh, training through the SIP model that we conceptualize everything through. Um, and we're wanting to really take our time with that so that um, when we do offer it, that we feel really confident. Very authentic, yeah, very offering. grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because it is true that the like EMDR in general is still very young and there's a lot of evolution of theory and practice and wisdom happening around it. Um, and so it is appropriate that there are new iterations mm. um, of training and you know, we spend a lot of time talking to people that have been trained around what are they feeling uh, not confident in and the the challenges that they're facing coming out of their initial training. Some, you know, some feel very supported and others really don't. So we're intentionally trying to create a training that will be supported from the very beginning. But the first thing that we did before we did that is the EMDR supplement, which Jen, I'll let you talk about that because it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. And I feel like we've been working on it for a while and finally have it in its polished version to actually get to share. So this is really just, it's a resource that can be used in several different ways, but our intention in creating it in the first place was to bring organization and structure and a depth of material to a consultation process. So as you're getting certified, really looking at like, what are all of the things that we feel like clinicians need to know and are wanting to know about EMDR in the certification process that maybe they got in basic training or maybe they didn't get it or maybe they need a refresher on it. Um, And then we even dive in deeper on a lot of topics. And so we created a virtual course that um, has several different modules. I think 13 or 14 different modules that go through the eight phases and break it down to its most fundamental components and then expands from there. So you can use this as a course just to get kind of a, like to freshen up on your basic training. Maybe you've been certified or you've been trained for a while, but you can also use it as a supplement to a certification process. 
So if you are in certification and you want to have this content in addition to that consultation, it's a great way to use it. Or if you're a consultant and you want to offer this to your consultees to say, hey, I will do the live um, consultation process and we'll talk you know, each month, but you can go and digest this material month to month and then we can come and talk about those topics or we can talk about your cases and how it applies to your actual cases. At that same time, you'll get your advanced credit for certification. That's the super exciting part. The super exciting part is that it's accredited for 12 uh, hours of injury advanced credit. Mm -hmm. So not only can it just be a supplemental resource to your consultation program, but it can serve as the advanced training requirement for your certification application. Yeah. And it has NBCC credits. It does. Yes. Um, so, you know, for those with your licensure, if you need um, continuing education credits, um, you can just double dip all over the place with this, which is wonderful. We're big fans <laughs> of double dipping. Absolutely. <laughs> and I just have to say, it is not, it's an easy and fun video quality to watch. Like, it's not like one of those regular virtual trainings where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even hear or it's loud and quiet. No, 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 no. We've put top quality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a filmographer (laughs) on our staff that, um, you know, together we've really put so much time and energy and resource and gear into this, Mm -hmm. um, media production kind of side of what we're doing now. And we really believe that it's, it's one of the highest quality training, uh, resources out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was our goal. So, yeah. So but please check it out. Not a uh, if you want to, no. so, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if anybody wants like a preview of it um, or wants to talk more about it, like reach out and we'll get you connected. Um, but you can also just go to the website and it will be posted there under the four therapists as something that you can purchase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really quick, what are we going to talk about this season? Oh yeah. <laughs> All of that. But we're well, in- I think, <laughs> the all of that does kind of lead into we have a huge emphasis on interviews. Um, we had it last season. You probably noticed more interviews than we've typically done, and we're going to kind of continue with that while also trying to balance that with some of our regular sessions like this, where we're just spiraling off into whatever topic feels <laughs> fun to us that week. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But the the interviews is really coming from that place of building community and wanting to draw all of the different corners of EMDR together and to get people connected and talking and seeing how different we are, but yet how similar we are in that. So there's not just one way to do EMDR. And I think that's what's so fun about the upcoming interviews is there's, it just highlights the vast diversity in how we can actually practice and see um, changes happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, some of the, the interviews that we have coming up um, feel like it really speaks to kind of the heart of where we're going and what we're excited about as humans with EMDR. Yes. Um, and it's just kind of a celebration of discovering that um, there are so many practitioners out there that are taking EMDR and using it in just profoundly creative, beautiful ways. And um, kind of letting their own intuition uh, get big in the world and say, I can move beyond 
um, what we were originally told EMDR had to be and imagine uh, how to take this, you know, modality and take it just to the next level in so many different Mm -hmm. diverse ways. Um, and so I love getting to expose our uh, audience to those diverse ways of using EMDR and just kind of sparking everybody's creativity as well. Mm. Yeah. And fly on the wall, we'll be back. Yes. We will definitely be bringing that back. Yeah, I think so. Jen yeah. and I, is that episode out? Did we already drop yeah. them? Okay, so Jen and it's I recorded one. Jen and I recorded one that uh, we're talking about. Uh, yeah, the process of fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. ended up... I'm so excited for that one. You have no yeah. idea. It was an absolute disaster of an episode, but I think it might be <laughs> like one of the people best. walked in like six times. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I heard, I heard. I think I'm I'm really excited to hear the moment when Caleb walked into the recording <laughs> studio and realized that he had just busted into a session or a, uh, a yeah. recording session. Um, I'm I'm looking forward. There to may it. be some profanity. <laughs> <laughs> Warning. So humanness all right well any last thoughts you guys as we i'm excited the intro Uh, notice that is is i mean it's no longer just i don't know for two for two seasons (laughs) in the books it feels like it's a very mature um like young adult yeah 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 yeah. fully reaching her adolescence yes starting to take flight on her own yeah her mothers are standing back and yeah. you know waving and feeling a little nervous. Yeah. Good luck. Apology. Yeah. <laughs> Wear your seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> I think I wouldn't do. Don't text and drive. And most of what I would yeah. do either. <laughs> oh, that is one thing. Kind of in closing, to mention is we're hoping to get some of the other consultants on our team here at Beyond Healing on the podcast. I might be pulling teeth a little bit behind the scenes to get them here, but driving. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, actually, for the most part, it's a it's a go. But I'm excited to have you guys get to hear more from the experts that we work with in our building. Like we have some brilliant people that we work with that have years and years of experience in different areas. And so um, they've kind of been these like brilliant minds behind the scenes and to get them on the front row or up on stage, I'm pumped about and we'll see if they're excited about it too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe a combination of nervous and excited, but hopefully most totally. excited. It's some <laughs> yeah. sympathetic ventral play. That's right. Yeah, That's right. Like That's it. fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening and we're excited to be with you for the next season of Notice That. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, 
you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.